If you have a uterus, you have probably experienced some form of pelvic pain, from PCOS to run-of-the-mill menstrual cycle pain or cramps. We tend to brush some of these symptoms under the rug and are told to just deal with it. But there are some pretty serious health issues that are linked with pelvic pain, and we shouldn't just have to deal with it. And so on today's show, I am talking to Dr. Jennifer Corey all about how acupuncture can be used to support pelvic pain and also our hormones. It's a great conversation and we dive into what acupuncture is and how it works, some of the misconceptions around acupuncture, especially in a Western medicine-based society. And she walks through some of the things that acupuncture can be used to treat. Now, if you are looking into this because you are thinking of having a baby and you want to sort out some pelvic pain that you might be dealing with preconception, reducing your toxic load is also an area that you may want to focus on. So I want to make sure that you know that I have a free resource, the four hormone disruptors to avoid before having a baby. And it walks you through some of the main chemicals that are in your home and daily life that you should work on reducing preconception and prenatally in particular. You can download it from greenathome.ca forward slash prenatal. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. Hi, Dr. Corey. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I am looking forward to this conversation because acupuncture is something that has helped me a lot. And I know I've only just scratched the surface in its benefits. And I think that it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily understand because it can be one of those things that's like, really, how could that do anything? (laughs) And so I'm excited to have you share some insights into this topic. But before we dive into that, I would love it if you could give our audience a little introduction into who you are and who you support. Oh, wonderful. So I am a public health solutionist. I am an integrative practitioner. I utilize acupuncture, naturopathic medicine, and massage therapy. 
And it's quite interesting how you can think about how a tiny little needle in a certain point that isn't even close to where you would think it would need to be impacts our our body and specifically our hormones in particular. So it's been a medicine for certain cultures for thousands of years. And Western medicine is just starting to really open up and accept some of the research that's been coming out over the last couple of decades and supporting its uh, use in an integrative manner and recommending it, which is absolutely wonderful for us. There's no interactions with medications, which is phenomenal. So if there's any need for a patient to be on a particular medication and they're like, I can't take any herbs, then acupuncture is a phenomenal way to make those shifts happen in a particular situation where they want to move the needle and have some resolution. No pun intended. Move the needle. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't. <laughs> so where did you do your training or how did you get into acupuncture as an added modality to your practice? Well, I guess that's kind of like my professional journey. So I started out over 20 years ago as a registered massage therapist and I was supporting women in their births. So I was going to their births as a doula massaging them and just dabbling in other courses. And births are long, especially if it's a first birth, and you get to talk with the couple and really delve into their journey that got them to that point in time and delivering their baby. And many of the women were sharing their stories about using acupuncture on their fertility journey. And I thought, oh my goodness, this will be a phenomenal tool. I can use it to support them in their pregnancy because I was doing a lot of pregnancy massage and I could potentially use it in birth. And I went to this amazing conference for doulas and there was a acupuncturist from France and he just blew my mind. He worked with midwives in France and the things that he was telling us, not me, but everyone there, that how he was able to shift things and influence the birth, the baby, the mother in the actual experience that the women were having blew my mind. So I needed to learn. So I went to a school in Toronto for two years I studied there and then they had a connection with a hospital in China, Hangzhou, and I went to China and did a short internship there. That again, blew my mind. I did not speak Mandarin or Cantonese, but they are very physical with showing what it is that they are experiencing. So I could read their body language. I could, their healthcare system is very different than ours. They would come in for their assessment in the morning. They would be either sent off for an x-ray and they'd be back in an hour with the x-ray and I could see what was happening or they were sent for an MRI there back in the afternoon and I could see the MRI report. So I was able to really delve into the use of acupuncture in a hospital setting as their medicine. That's what I was going to ask. So acupuncture was part of the 
the hospital That's their medicine. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's different departments. So there is also the Chinese herbal medicine and they also do have a Western medicine component in that particular hospital. So sometimes if things were needing to shift in a different direction or they needed to use medication because it wasn't, wasn't happening for that particular patient, they would still integrate. They would still use Western medicine medication and acupuncture herbs. So they were not averse to using one or the other, depending on what the condition was. And they knew what they could benefit the patient best with. And you said that Western medicine is kind of slowly catching up to this and the research is evolving. Yeah. So is, I mean, do we feel as in Western medicine, do we feel like we need to research this thing that has been used for a very long time elsewhere? Do we need the research to back up that it works? Is that what's happening here to see if we can adopt it or is just the research happening anyways? That's just how when we're looking at medically trained professionals and when we're looking at integrating any modality, we look at research. We look at randomized control trials, double-blinded placebo control trials. And we look at that as like the gold standard of evidence. When we are, when we are looking at something in Chinese medicine, each person is an individual and the philosophy of Chinese medicine is very different. But for us to accept it out here in the Western world, we tend to need that research to back it up. And it has been. Now, some trials are not necessarily up to the gold standard, but many, many more are coming out really actually supporting the use of it. So a number of reproductive endocrinologists are hiring acupuncturists and having those practitioners within and referring consistently their patients to them because they're seeing also the results. So not only are they have the evidence to then say, okay, I can make this referral, but now that they've integrated and seen the shifts in those patients and say, okay, you need to go and see these acupuncturists. They're going to treat you for this set amount of time. And then I want you to come back and see me and I'm going to do my thing. Okay. That's really cool. And I look forward to seeing how the research and the, I hope, much as my hope with naturopathic medicine gets integrated with kind of <laughs> the MD's practices, it's it's good to hear. And I've heard it too, especially from the reproduction side, starting to bring in these different modalities in kind of concert with with one another. Okay. So we've talked about kind of the a bit of the history and the the background of, of acupuncture and how it's been used. Can you talk about what it is and how it works in the body? You touched on tiny needles going in nowhere, <laughs> nowhere near where you think you're treating. What is the premise and the science behind it? Right. So you as a whole person, we need to look at all of the aspects of your health and your being. It is not, I have painful periods. I have this awful bloating and cramping. You need to look at, well, what's your energy level? How's your skin? What's your metabolism like? What's your sleep like? We're looking at all of the systems because when we look at Chinese medicine, like that yin and yang symbol where you have the black and white swiggle with a dot in each one. So one blends into the next. If you have one that is out of balance, the other will accommodate. So you're always striving for balance. So say our menstrual cycle, we can look at yin and yang within the menstrual cycle. The flow is more yin. 
it's watery. And then as we get to ovulation, we're shifting. So it's a little bit of yang that's now in the yin. And now we're shifting into the yang phase of the menstrual cycle. Say our menstrual cycle is a little bit off. We have a very short follicular phase. So when we are menstruating and that follicle is developing and it's very short, we have a very short yin phase, but now we've got this exponential yang phase and we need to try and bring that into balance. So when we're putting in a needle, we're also looking at all of those organs and how they interact with one another. And often when one is deficient, the other will be exuberant. There will be some excess somewhere. Or we have something that is so excess, it's drawing from something else and making it deficient. So the whole point is to try and bring you into balance by using particular points on those particular meridians or pathways that reflect those organs. That is probably the most simplistic way I could explain the philosophy of Chinese medicine, that we're always trying to bring you back into balance which organ is not functioning properly, which is going to impact those symptoms, what are those symptoms really reflecting in those particular organ systems, and how can we support it so that it does have smooth flow of blood and chi, which is energy, through all of those. And so how does a little needle do that? So I have, I've had acupuncture for various reasons, and sometimes it the needle going in doesn't hurt. So I'm explaining this for folks who, if you haven't had acupuncture, and right. I think everybody's experience yeah. is different. I personally yeah. react very well to acupuncture. Other people, I don't know, maybe there's there's differences, but I don't really feel the needle going in. In certain points, it will hurt and then a slight little movement and it doesn't hurt anymore. But it's not like it's the needle hurting. It's like there's something else. I don't know if it's a blockage or whatnot. So how mm-hmm. does that tiny little needle have such an impact on that meridian. Yeah. So on the pathway or the meridian, for those who are not aware, they run on the legs from the feet all the way up the legs into the body and same on the arms and hands. And then there are pathways on the body itself and the head and the ears and face. And each of those points or points on those pathways will have a different impact. So a particular pathway has an association with, say, so in Chinese medicine, the spleen is responsible for digestion. It is what determines whether or not this is a good nutrient, are we going to keep it, or does it go to waste product? And on this, and it's all, the spleen is also closely connected to our menstrual cycle and how things are going. So metabolism and hormones. So this is very simplistic. There's many other organs, but just for simplicity's sake, when we are at a different point on the pathway, we will impact you in a different way when you are in a different part of your menstrual cycle. So we may be able to support that follicular phase a little bit better by using a point that is further down by your foot. And later on, we may be able to support you during the ovulation phase above the ankle. So they, as they were studying and putting in fine fish bones thousands of years ago, 
they were then able to say, oh, this point is on this pathway. This point influences their digestion. They had urgent stool in the morning. But if I put a point on this spot and it's all connected with these other points, oh, they don't have that heat anymore and they don't have that urgency. They have nice smooth stool. So how exactly they came to know this, I'm not too Sure, I didn't really research that part when I was studying. I just accepted it and said, okay, these are the pathways and these points that are all different along this particular pathway have an influence on this particular system for this particular organ. It's really studying all of the different organ systems and their points and how they influence you in bringing you back into power. I don't know if I answered the question. I think so. And and maybe there isn't really an answer. Well, it's it's very difficult to make it in a very simplistic way that's relatable because it's such a there is an art as well to like when you have a study, you have to have set protocol. Okay, you have this diagnosis. We're going to give you this protocol. Did you benefit? But if we take like a PCOS person who's suffering from PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. They may have cysts on their ovaries. They may not. There's a Rotterdam criteria that they need to meet to have this diagnosis. And not I have everyone a whole episode had... on PCOS as well that I'll link in the show notes. So if, oh, if, fabulous. That, if that interests somebody, I'll send you over to that one as well. Yeah. So it's, it, yes. And hormonally, it is influenced immensely. But this particular condition, you have to reach this Rotterdam criteria, but not everybody has the same criteria. Like they don't have the say all the same symptoms. So you may not choose the same points for each person who has that same diagnosis. You have to make it individualized. Maybe their metabolism is so far gone and they need more support with insulin regulation than they do with their painful periods that they're experiencing or they had like maybe they only have follicles that have developed but just haven't released. And now their periods are forever long. They just don't come very often. So I would approach them very differently and use different point selections. So it has to be individualized medicine. When we were talking before going live, you wanted to kind of focus the conversation on pelvic pain and hormones. So what do you, what, I mean, I think pelvic pain means a lot of different things to different people, depending on how they're experiencing it. Right. So what kinds of things have you seen successful with acupuncture and dealing with various forms of pelvic pain? So we've already mentioned polycystic ovarian system um, syndrome, so PCOS, but also endometriosis, fibroids, urinary tract infections that are more frequent that maybe going on that pathway of interstitial cystitis. Maybe it's vulvovaginitis. Maybe you are just experiencing and don't have a diagnosis yet, but can't insert a tampon, painful intercourse, low back pain, anything that really revolves around the pelvis. So not just your period that's causing you pain and discomfort. But periods as well, I would say. Oh, If you're struggling like I was. Yes really badly with painful periods, that is not something to discount, even if you don't have an official diagnosis for it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Periods should just be smooth flow. You should have a happy period. It should just arrive, flow, and go away. And then you should 
enjoy life again without any other disruption. And if it isn't occurring in that way, acupuncture will change it and it will happen within only a few cycles. And for all of these different issues, can acupuncture be used in isolation? And I know this is a hard question because everybody's different, but is Uh acupuncture something that can be used in isolation or is it part of a larger treatment plan? Like, do you see kind of starting with acupuncture and see how it goes or do you layer? Typically, it's part of a plan. However, sometimes it's not. So if a person says... I want to know what I'm doing is working and they don't want to integrate all of those other layers. That's not to say I won't make some dietary changes and lifestyle changes and look at their environmental exposures. Like all of those things need to be incorporated because it's we're addressing your full health. It's not just one aspect and here's your magic solution. But in isolation, we can have some amazing and significant shifts. And is acupuncture something that is done and does cause lasting change? Or is it something that you need to keep doing because the act of acupuncture is what is continuing to keep the body in balance? Sending the messages to the body to stay in balance. I think that if you were only doing acupuncture and nothing else, you made no other adaptations to stress management, your diet, the type of water you were drinking your other exposures, if you did none of that, yes, you would have to keep coming seeing me. I would be your magic pill. But if you made other changes, then no, you don't. You may only need to come back every once in a while for those, you know, just for that message to be sent back to that body to bring it back into balance. That's been my personal experience with acupuncture is it's kind of included in the the plan for for certain things. And I, I first was introduced to acupuncture back. And for those of you who know my story, you've probably heard this back when I had my debilitating periods and also asthma. And then it's been, I don't ever think necessarily to go to a specific acupuncturist. I've always just had treatments with naturopaths as part of it. And I should think to make it more part of my ongoing plan because it also feels really nice. It's almost like a little spa treatment or you know it's not the same as a massage but you lie on the table the needles go in you know depending on where you're getting your treatments done maybe there's or if you want it maybe there's some relaxing music you're just lying by yourself in the quiet it's you know and it and it offers all those other benefits from the acupuncture itself but i feel like even that like meditation time i really value personally which is really looking at okay how are we impacting hormones when we reduce cortisol which is our stress response hormone that has impacted our immune system and a number of painful pelvic pain conditions immune system is impacting it we also then cortisol will impact how our hormones are forming do we have an imbalance now of estrogen progesterone testosterone are those now being offset because our stress levels are so high so when you have an acupuncture treatment in that type of setting and you have that response just that in and of itself is going to help balance your hormones and the hormone balancing piece of acupuncture is that something that Again, when you get treatments, is that something that can help kind of rebalance your hormones and and reset them? I mean, I use the term hormones, but there's 
lots of different ones. We've talked about the kind of reproductive hormones, but thyroid Mm -hmm. and everything that controls our digestion. You talked about how the spleen affects affects digestion in Chinese medicine, but all of the kind of messaging signals. And I talk about hormones a lot and their importance in the body with hormone disruptors. Mm-hmm. How does yeah. acupuncture help bring our hormonal systems back into back into balance? Because like I just said, we're impacting all of those other things at the same time. So not just like the environment, but how, and in that Zen state, those needles are also doing that same job as well and bringing you into that Zen state, depending mm-hmm. on the particular point selection, but most of them impact your thyroid function, impact your adrenal glands, impact your liver, impact your digestion. So all of those are always interconnected and the point selections will impact those long-term. Is acupuncture counterindicated? Is that the word? Contraindicated like, for anyone? Contraindicated? Like is, yeah. <laughs> is there anyone that, that should kind of steer clear of it? Or is there any way to know if it's not something to pursue? Well, there would be certain points that would be contraindicated. Like if you have an open wound, clearly we're not going to put a needle in an open wound. There are points that we avoid when you are pregnant or you're in your first trimester and you've had a miscarriage or multiple miscarriages. There's points that we avoid, but there's points that we absolutely want to use to help support you so that you can maintain that pregnancy or, yeah, so there really isn't anyone that I can think of off the top of my head in the population that I treat that I would say, oh no, you can't come for acupuncture. Like you have to have eaten, your blood sugar shouldn't be dropping. You you come to the treatment in a good, fairly good state of health in, in a way. That you can lay there and not be impacted. You know, if you haven't eaten for a long time and your blood sugar drops and you're on the table, you're going to get off the table, feel really lightheaded. And in that aspect, no. And when you are pregnant, I think that's probably one of the other beauties of acupuncture is that we are restricted in the medications that can be utilized. And it is a phenomenal shift. When you are feeling nauseous and can't even keep down water and I do one treatment and you're like, I was able to have applesauce. And then you come back two days later and you're like, I actually had a smoothie and I kept it down. It makes amazing shifts in someone who can't integrate other modalities. I wish I'd thought of that in my first trimesters. It's phenomenal. It's atrocious. Lifesaver. Yeah. What should people ask before working with an acupuncturist in terms of selecting a professional? Is it regulated? Are there certain experiences to look for? Yeah. So I'll just speak to Ontario because that's where I'm practicing. So we are a regulated health profession. We are part of the RHPA Act. And so they need to have had a significant amount of training. So it's typically a two-year program in acupuncture. And they have had practice, supervised practice, and they have then written a licensing exam. Now, before we were regulated in Ontario, there were a number of different programs and a number of other professions were practicing acupuncture and utilizing it as part of their treatment protocol. So massage therapists fall under that. 
chiropractors fall under that and physiotherapists fall under that quite often. And they're allowed to, but quite often their training is very different. They are not going to look at you. I'll just take a physiotherapist, for example, and you have a shoulder injury. They are going to look at the points that are located in that area and utilize them. And they're not looking at you as the whole person. Do you have mood disruption? Are you going down depression because you've had chronic shoulder pain and you can't do the activity that you love? Do you have digestive issues? They're not going to look at balancing your hormones. Is that why you no longer can move your shoulder? Because that sometimes is. So their regulation under their colleges, so physios, chiropractors, and massage, is that it is not an encompassing TCM diagnosis, traditional Chinese medicine diagnosis, you are treating a physical injury and helping rehabilitate that. But if you are a regulated, so the designation would be RAC, Registered Acupuncturist in Ontario, then, you know, everybody has their field that they have a special interest in. We can't say that we specialize, but I definitely have a special interest in helping balance hormones and pelvic pain. So for those of you who are outside of Ontario, across Canada or in the U.S., I guess just do a little bit of research ahead of time to see what kind of regulatory body or training for acupuncture exists in your province or your state, just to make sure that you're seeing somebody who has the right credentials. I think that's really important with any kind of health provider. There are risks depending on how a needle is inserted. So, you know, you could, you can damage things. You, you can puncture a hole in a lung. So uh, it's, it's maybe a very fine needle, but you, you have to know what you're doing. That's very dramatic and scary. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's probably not a very high risk, but you know, to your point, you want to have somebody who, who has been through the training and knows what they're doing. Yes. You have a course. Oh, yes. Super exciting. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So I created this program because a lot of women were wanting to integrate these other layers and have a foundation to then springboard off of. And they felt like they needed this education. And I also wanted them to have this foundation so that they could be asking the right questions. Many of the patients that I see have seen multiple other people and they are staying in their silo of expertise and there hasn't been that integration or communication and they didn't know to ask certain questions because they weren't educated about their own bodies and what they were experiencing. So I created this pelvic pain foundational program and it's six weeks to vibrant pelvic health. Amazing. So you're going to, yeah, it, it, it is phenomenal. So you're going to learn a lot. If you feel like you still don't have questions answered, then you can become a patient and we can have great conversations and we can implement a specific strategic plans for your own concerns. And I will add the link to the show notes for where you can check out Dr. Corey's website and that course. When we are talking, it, it is not live right now, but it will be coming up soon, I think. So by the time this episode airs, it should be ready. So I'll drop that link in the show notes for you. Is there anything else you would like to share or anywhere else folks can go to learn from you? Oh, definitely. So if they wanted to go to my website, that's where they'll find the link. 
So that's Dr. Corey with an E, C-O-R-E-Y-N-D.com. They'll be able to find the Six Weeks to Vibrant Public Health program. If they want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Corey ND. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here. I really appreciate the conversation. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Emma. Wait, before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you've heard, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a written review. You can do it right from the app. It takes just a sec and really helps me to be able to continue to share this important information with more people. Plus, you might just get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks so much and bye for now.